Get the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music guide you through the opaque world of venture capital and reveal all the ways you can source capital for your company's growth. It all starts right here with Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music on VC Confidential. Welcome to our first VC Confidential podcast of 2022. I'm Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with my co-host and partner at Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music. Together, we are managing directors of the Sibylla Masters Fund. You can learn more about our work at masters.vc. This show is for investors and entrepreneurs alike. We are ripping the opaque lid off the evolving world of venture capital to show you how it works. Our producers at WMR.FM, with the support of gracious sponsors, now host 50 VC Confidential shows. I'd like to take a moment to say thanks to you all. And if your company would like to become a sponsor, please reach out to Brasco at WMR.FM. Hi, Jillian. Happy New Year. Hi, Anne. Happy New Year. And I'll add my grateful thanks to everybody who makes this show possible as well. I'd like to point out that WMR also produced and still hosts our previous show, CEO Coach, for more than a decade. And you can find those shows wherever you like to get your podcasts as well. And it's important, I think, for our listeners to know that we're not paid for developing or taping the show. But moreover, WMR.FM has provided their many, many hours of work over more than a dozen years now and without cost to us. So Anne and I are humbled and extremely grateful for the unflagging gift of time, labor, technology, and support to bring what we believe has been and will continue to be critical information and illumination to that often shrouded corner of private entrepreneurship and investing in privately held companies. Without WMR.FM's leadership support, Brandy and Darren Babin, among others, and without now countless hours of support and labor and advice from our producer, Jorge Hermida, who is affectionately known as Brasco throughout the industry, neither CEO nor coach nor VC Confidential would have been possible. So thank you to the entire WMR.FM team. I could not agree more, Jillian. Now, here we are at the beginning of 2022, our very first podcast of the year. How shall we kick things off? Oh, with a blast. (laughs) As always. (laughs) Let's talk about investing in good corporate governance. There's been a lot of news on this topic about generally bad actors who spoil it for the rest of everyone else. For example, Theranos and founder Elizabeth Holmes, who has been found guilty this week of defrauding investors. Yeah, there's certainly much to talk about in this high profile and often sensational case. It's the kind of case that has already spawned a book, a biopic, and for sure, many who knew what articles will enlighten and entertain us for months to come. Yep. For our purposes here on VC Confidential, what are the takeaways of what is actually a very serious issue? For example, where was the due diligence by the investors who poured nearly $1 billion? Yup, that's one with a B into a technology that never worked 
and a charismatic founder who dealt in convincing lies and half-truths to raise that capital. Let's begin by talking about that term charisma. Charisma is so often considered to be an asset to a founder. It enables founders to bring on teams with only the hopes of future pay. It enables founders to land investment with, again, only the hopes of future returns. Yes, that's right. And right there, I think we should be concerned about an investment group's culture of lauding charisma as a way of to bring in investment. Yes, it is considered an asset to be charismatic. And yes, a charismatic personality makes for better theater during public speaking opportunities. But seriously, that part of building a business is theater. It's incumbent on investors, as well as board members, to consider whether the founder is succeeding in this VC world, as well as in marketing to its customers, because the leadership is charismatic, or because the company's product actually works, and it serves the customer's needs, and the charisma of leadership amplifies that fact. There's a huge difference there, folks. Certainly. Theranos leadership knew their product did not work. They simply lied about the failure of their product and raised nearly a billion dollars on charisma alone. Yeah, but actually I'd say it wasn't charisma alone. This board was also complicit, whether knowingly or unknowingly. Theranos seated a board comprised of luminaries, people like George Schultz and Henry Kissinger, whose personal brand lent validity and trust to this new company's name. Their very presence enabled the customers to get meetings and to raise capital. But forgive me, what do these people know about the job they were doing on the private enterprise board of directors of a medical testing company? And I think we really have to ask here, does that not knowing really let them off the hook? I submit not. I would agree. Being self-aware is an important part of any successful person's existence. You know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, and you should know what you don't know. If you have a high profile in the public, right, then you know that your name alone enables others to leverage your reputation, then it's incumbent on you to be sure of where you lend access to your good name. These men did not. Indeed, and let's just take a moment here to recognize that boards are fiduciarily responsible for their companies. Yes, Should absolutely. we say that again? Legal. They yes. Are they legally <laughs> responsible for this, the uh, financials of the companies? That is right, legal and fiduciary responsibility. We say that again and again. Yeah. Okay. So moreover, if you sit on a board, especially a board of something so big, so new, and so earth-shaking as Theranos professed to be, you must make yourself aware of what is really going on inside the company. In other words, practice good corporate governance. Yeah, there it is again. Mm -hmm. Yep. Theranos puts me in mind of WeWork, another big idea that went down in flames. Yeah. 
Theranos, WeWork, there were similar stories that surfaced some very concerning common practices in private venture investing. These practices leave investors open to increased risks of failure in their already highly risky investment portfolios. So Elliot Goldstein in the United Kingdom wrote, common to both Theranos and WeWork was the complete absence of effective and appropriate non-executive governance. What I'd like to discuss today is just that, effective non-executive governance by board directors and investors. That's a great idea, Jillian. Um, We've got a list of red flags for investors and some topics to dig into. And I think perhaps what we ought to do right now is take a break for our sponsors and then run down the list um, and dig into the responsibilities for investors and board members. In other words, what makes good corporate governance? So with that, we will take a break now for our sponsors. We'll be right back with more insights into the world of venture capital on VC Confidential. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Welcome back to VC Confidential. I am Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music talking about what you as an investor, advisor, or entrepreneur need to know about venture capital. Before the break, we were talking about investing in good corporate governance. Our discussion was prompted by the conviction this week of Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes in federal court on four counts of defrauding investors. While clearly Theranos leadership bears culpability for promoting a product they knew did not work, the investors and the board of directors bore responsibility as well. That knowing that, let's take some a look at some red flags that investors and board directors should be aware of as they perform their due diligence and ongoing board service. <laughs> Assuming, of course, they do any due diligence. Okay, and look, now that's over the top. Certainly, our colleagues all perform due diligence, even if some things are even regularly missed in the process. Do you really think Henry Kissinger performed due diligence on Theranos before accepting the board seat? Okay, you have a point. (laughs) It's it's more likely that he was honored to be asked and his star, while huge in its time, has waned with the passage of that time. I'm sure he wanted to remain relevant, to be needed, to be in a position of authority, and board service enables all that. We don't know for certain that he didn't look into the company and you know get lied to on the back end, but certainly he did not do sufficient due diligence and neither did anyone else on that board. Precisely. And the Theranos team, 
possibly, although we certainly do not know this today, with the support and even help of the VC investors, targeted such people with powerful personal brands who would ask few or no questions because they were not knowledgeable about the field and be more than pleased to be part of what was being sold as the next big thing, not to mention the savior of humanity. Yeah, that's true. Strong words, and it's a strong caution. Um, I think that as we look at whether or not those uh, board members were targeted with the help of VC investors, again, we do not know. But what little startup is going to get such names on their boards unless massive investors with powerful brands themselves are able to weigh in and to get that kind of a meeting going? It seems intuitive that they had some help. So again, strong words and strong caution. And with that, I'm going to dive into the red flags that investors and board members should consider that are endemic to the entire industry and have been for quite a while. So here's the drum roll, folks. Boop, boop, boop. Generalist investors. A generalist investors taking advice from friends when they know little about the sector they're investing in. An interesting issue with nuance involved. We, like many VC funds, have a hard and fast rule that we at Masters Fund invest in sectors in which our partners can bring wisdom and value. You often say that we can invest in sectors or regions we don't understand deeply. We can follow, but we cannot lead. So if a VC fund is following a trusted colleague, then a virtuous group of fellow investors, both individuals and institutionals, must be able to trust one another to be realistic about their own knowledge and limitations of knowledge about a sector so that the investors know enough about the subject to ask the right questions, verify answers, and know the truth about the company they are supporting with their capital, reputation, service, and access to their networks. Well said, absolutely. Um, I would think that uh, there's a lot of issue around folks taking the advice of others. One will hop on a deal and then sell it to the others, but they don't always do so uh, based on more than a reference from my buddy. And, and let's not overlook FOMO. Yeah, well, that's what that FOMO is all about, right? The reference from a buddy and you can get in. And somehow the depth of due diligence gets lost in there. So charisma, a charming a group of powerful older men to believe in an untried but world-changing idea is what went on at Theranos. Similar kinds of things at WeWork. Again, a charismatic leader, charming and and you know, convincing these men to invest. It's, uh, it's interesting. Charisma is a double-edged sword. Yep, we covered that one already. All onward. right, ever onward. What's the third one? VC personal bias and influence from their peers, which we just covered to some extent, but personal bias. Mm. 
That's our never ending chant, isn't it? So if 98% of VC capital still flows to men and almost all of that flows to tall, white men with baritone voices and all that, right? We know that there continues to be personal bias and peer influence in venture capital that still needs some addressing. And I'll say it again, the lack of women founders receiving capital is not a failure of the deal flow pipeline. It's a broken doorbell. And our doorbell at the master's fund works just fine. Yeah. <laughs> so additionally, I'd like to say this red flag includes watching out for what the MBS work uh, group out of London calls the board's populated primarily with high profile figures appointed to generate prestige and garner influence. That MBS article, and we'll post a link to this on our LinkedIn page. You just look for, uh, you know, on LinkedIn for Outlines Venture Group, right? This article continues by saying, under the non-governance of these boards, the founders whose sole focus was growth, the businesses were allowed to overpromise and overspend with minimal oversight. So powerful brand name people on a board may help a startup to raise capital. But the red flag is that investors and board directors should both be aware that the very presence of these powerful brands is not in itself an indicator of good corporate governance. Quite the opposite, it may be an indicator that the board may include some unqualified directors. So next up, accountability and reality checks during due diligence. So there's a clear breakdown, I think, in due diligence that highlights high-level issues in the VC industry. Yes. The VC investment process is about funding moonshots. Such fantasy land scenarios require even closer scrutiny before investing and by directors after investment. Many investments are made into plans, not completed projects. So this could be difficult. I get that. But that does not let the directors off the hook once the investment is received and the product begins to be built. Either the thing works or it doesn't. There is far too much tendency to report good and short-term hopeful news that a technology is about to work to keep capital flowing into the company from more investors. And if I say for it aside, raise the valuation, which is mm -hmm. what the conventional venture capital is after. And while that capital may yield a working product, the line that the directors need to see is not crossed is a blanket statement that something works when it does not yet work. It is incumbent on directors to be, or to hire, people who are knowledgeable enough to make sure that the, there is a functional underlying technology, thoroughly analyzed, rigorously tested, before leadership starts announcing success. Yes, and that's where governance comes in. 
So the problem with this advice, Anne, though, is that keeping enthusiastic leadership on the straight and narrow does not serve VC funds in the short term. Building IRR is dependent on continuing good news coming from the portfolio companies, and the IRR of this fund helps you to raise the next fund. Therefore, it's an easy route for investors who sit on those boards and those who don't to focus on good news from the founders and to downplay, if not quash, the challenge. This is essential conflict if interest right, points out how very important it is to have independent board members who focus on good governance. Good governance is predicated on complete honesty and sufficient transparency at every level of the business to ensure long-term success. We recognize that it's not 100% transparency. Next up. Well, I think self-serving behavior by the leadership. Um, It was evidenced by WeWork, Uber founders and others, right? Including using multiple classes of shares to retain control. Let's talk about that. Yeah, on its face, multiple share classes is not the issue. But this commonly used practice was abused at WeWork. Adam Newman set up a complex set of shares that he alone could sell or not sell at his discretion. He leveraged these stocks to take out loans from the company and more. Why didn't his board question any of this? Who was representing WeWork investors on the board while the CEO dipped into corporate funds for his personal gain? Yeah, so uh, I would totally agree. Who was watching? Yeah. Uh, With that list of general flags illuminated, let's take a look at the obligations of both investors and board members before and while they hold PE stock. It's incumbent on investors as well as board members to check in, I think, with quiet meetings, with conversations, to get a bead on both the emotional and intellectual stability of the leadership level team, right? This is often called soft skill stuff. But in truth, this is where investors and board members find out the mindset of leadership, right? And that illuminates a whole lot. Consider whether you know the answers to the following questions about a company in which you're about to invest. How about misogyny? and DEI? How does senior management feel about women and people of color and senior leadership? Bring up instances of women being promoted to senior positions. Take a look at which ones are filled by women now, right? Talk about state setting percentages requiring women on boards. Think about other ways to determine the mindset of senior leadership in the company in which you're about to invest. Talk about developing an inclusive culture through the organization, avoiding bro culture, about hiring experts to support the effort to build a world-class organization. Great. I'll take the next one. Employee rights and obligations. Ask what management expects from employees, hours per day, week, project-focused compensation, like work balance, family care leave, all the stuff that makes work life bearable. Absolutely, because that speaks to the long-term success and the health of the company you're building. Next up, I'd say is financial government. This one is critical before we take a break. Make sure that you review the monthly bank statements and the detailed uh, QuickBook-type reports, right? Not just P&Ls. Is the management commingling personal and business finances? Is someone skimming something? Make sure you know. Well, as we pointed out, Uh, at the top of this episode, it is the fiduciary responsibility of the directors on the board. As well as the investors who are managing their LP's money. 
And with that, we must take another break. You are listening to VC Confidential. We will be right back. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training a weekly podcast for you or your company, distribution to almost every podcast portal, an embeddable player for your website, an ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts, and much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Welcome back to VC Confidential. We are so glad you joined us as always. Today, we have been digging into effective corporate governance and more importantly, the responsibilities of investors and directors to effect appropriate non-executive governance. Big world-changing ideas such as Theranos and WeWork need more scrutiny by investors and directors, not less, no matter how charismatic the founders may be, and no matter how appealing the vision of their ideas may be. While certainly the CEO of Theranos deserves to be held accountable for knowingly misleading investors and customers, the directors and investors who failed to exert effective oversight of their executives surely bear a large measure of blame as well. But before we leave today, Jillian, we need to address an elephant in the room. One of the things that troubles me deeply about the conviction of Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes this week is the fallout for all women founders in tech. The New York Times, Erin Griffin wrote, one of the most successful women founders is found to be a convicted fraud and now remains the most infamous woman founder. Jillian, does this feel like a giant step backwards for womankind? Yeah, sadly, it does. We continue as a society to see that every leader who is not a white male is still considered to be representative of an entire group of leaders. A black male leader is a symbol of all black people who aspire to lead. A white woman is still symbolic of all women of all races and backgrounds. An LGBTQ leader associated with any gender and any racial background is a symbol of all LGBTQ people. It's still clustered into white male and everyone else. Right? They're still symbols, not individual people. In other words, those on the top of the economic ladder are individuals and everyone else is a symbol of all people of similar attributes, which have nothing to do with the situation or the issue at hand. No one is saying, for example, that all Stanford dropouts are unethical. 
And very surprisingly to me, actually, no one is saying that a 19-year-old is not qualified to be trusted with billions of dollars, with the governance of any company, let alone a multi-billion dollar industry, or to be an A1 source of information for that company or for its products. She was barely more than a child. So yes, Elizabeth was an adolescent set up to fail by a group of powerful investors who know how to spin a very different tale and express surprise now that the debacle has taken place. Holmes needs to pay for her misdeeds, but the original sin, that lies with the investors and the board directors who were by and large and with little exception, seasoned old men charged with government overs a governance oversight and they were supposed to guard the investors' interests. They failed at every level. And that's a wrap for this episode of VC Confidential. We invite you to join us every other Tuesday for a new episode as we take a deep dive into the opaque world of venture capital and share learnings and ideas on the inner workings of the shrouded corner of business finance known as venture capital. We'd like to thank our producers at WMR.FM, who graciously hosted our previous CEO coach show for more than a decade and host our new VC Confidential show now in its 51st episode. Woot! Mm -hmm. we, are, we are grateful for their long and continued support of our work. You can listen to all our episodes from both shows right here on WMR.FM and in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else you like to get your podcasts. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are so glad you joined us on VC Confidential. Till next time. Till next time. on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited.